Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. That's a Father's Day tribute. That's right. And here we are. Welcome. This is the Man Up Podcast. And you know what we're doing? We're drawing back the curtain to give everybody a view of what Man Up, the Man Up Podcast, and this is the 60th one, is all about. And as you can tell, we're a bunch of high-tech guys. So I'm turning the recorder on. And we're starting with our audio podcast. <laughs> and welcome, everybody. We're so glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas, right outside of Houston. So if you got a globe, go ahead and spin it around. Find the U.S. of A. Find the second largest state in the nation. That'd be Texas. Go down to the southeast side. That's Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. We're at Sugarland Baptist Church, and we're now in the conference room, unlike the normal Man Up studio where we normally have our podcasts at. And we're so glad that you chose to join us. This is the, not only the 60th podcast that we've done, but this is also a special Father's Day edition. So that's why we're putting it on video to make sure that everybody gets the opportunity to maybe put a face with a name or a voice to the podcast that you can hear on our Facebook page. That's Man-Up. We're also on iTunes and we're on SoundCloud if you want to see or actually listen to some of the podcasts that we've already created, the other 59. So what we do is we have an adult Bible fellowship, men only, on Sunday here at Sugarland Baptist Church. We're not pastors, we're just regular guys. And we go over a lesson and we want to get deeper in our faith. That's what it's about. That's why this is a spiritual oasis for men. A chance for real men to get down into faith with other men. What you might realize once I introduce our panel is that we're all different. We have different backgrounds. And you will identify with one of the guys here. And that's what we want about. We want to help you develop more faith and have a deeper relationship. We are in the Connect 360 book, Character in the Crown. We're in Lesson 5. A Rash Decision and Stinging Rebuke, and we're in 1 Samuel. And the panel that we have assembled today, and I'm going to go ahead and I'll introduce them first. I'll let them give a brief summary of the lesson, and then we'll go ahead and we'll read the scripture. So glad that you've joined us because one of our regulars, he is a policy writer. He's also a professional gambler. And he rarely dresses up this dice. Mr. Steve Titch is here. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks a lot. The shirt's been cleaned and pressed. <laughs> well, like I, like I said, he rarely dresses up. It's rarely clean or pressed. So, uh, uh, 
you can't go anywhere or do anything in this litigious society without an attorney. And we have a great one. He's an attorney. He's a prosecutor. We call him the judge so he could defend you or he could throw the book at you. Doesn't matter. Mr. Michael Cropper is here. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here again. And because we're all high tech and we're ex-military because, hey, this is a Father's Day special. He's been in the Army. He's also a high tech guy. We have Mike Redding. We call him the Wiz here. Hi. And insurance guy. Also, our class deacon, Mr. Kyle Trahan, is here. And we have the professor. He is a corporate trainer, intellectual, great guy. Mr. Robert Koshu is here. Good to be here this evening again. My name is Bill Cox. I'm the director of Man Up. I'm also just kind of a regular sales guy, but I'm an actor and writer too. And it's great to be a part of this group. And let's go ahead and we'll have the deacon go ahead and pray us in. All right. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this glorious day. Thank you for the ability to be here uh, in this wonderful church setting and to be able to get together with these guys and discuss our Lord, our God, and we get to have that freedom to do so. Uh, as Bill mentioned as well, a bunch of military, so uh, shout out to the, the guys and girls out there defending our faith um, and our, our everything we hold dear in this country. Bless this discussion. Let us hear what you want us to hear, Lord, and speak what you want us to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 And with that, we'll go ahead and we'll get right into it. Start with your interpretation of the, ah. of the lesson. We'll go yeah. with the professor. Yeah. So, uh, great to be here again. This is one of those really interesting lessons. Because what we're going to see is this is all about character and the crown is the whole thing. So we're looking <coughs> at character with leadership. And... John Maxwell's seminal book, 21 Year Fruit of the Laws of Leadership, he talked about a leadership's effectiveness is determined by his ability to lead. And he called that the lid. That if your lid is, if you had lids in your life that limit, you can't lead beyond a certain level. This is where we start seeing Saul had about five or six. We see the first one when he runs into fear. He's hiding in the bag when they appoint him. Then it kind of runs into impatience. We're going to talk a lot about that tonight. And from there, he just escalates all the way through all of them. Denial, he becomes impulsive, deceitful, jealous, and anger. And so we really, as we progress through 1 Samuel, we're going to see a lot more of this as we move on with him. But tonight's where we start really revealing where Samuel starts leaving and leading all his lids. Hmm. Very good point. Uh, Steve. Well, I'm anxious to talk about this because, uh, as we did with last week, <laughs> right. I've uh, got some problems or troubles. That this this whole section of the Bible where we get into Samuel and the kings, to me, raises a lot of questions. And I realize this is a theological history, not in that, not necessarily a, a Herodotus type history. Nonetheless, the worst thing a leader can do is show indecision, is nothing. And, and goodness knows, at least our culture, uh, most CEOs, generals, uh, often pay with their jobs if they can't make a decision to move forward on something. And, and I think we run into this problem that Saul has. And, and 
Well, that's where I'll that's where I'll leave it for now because I I don't think I don't think I, th I think some of your your observations may come in handy here about leadership, but Saul is put in a very very difficult position. I absolutely agree a little bit with both of you. So each of you are about half wrong, as far as, <laughs> as, far as I can tell. <laughs> you know, uh, Deacon Kyle. You know, it's. Uh... Interesting, because, I mean, Saul's thrust into this, you know, into being king. He didn't grow up, you know, a lot of kings thereafter came up from, you know, well, my son, and so he's going to be king after I'm gone. You know, he was the first one. So, you know, he starts out by only, well, not even telling that he's supposed to be king to his family and stuff, when they said, well, what happened? Oh, we found the donkeys. Right. No. He poured it all on your head, kissed you, and said, you're going to be king. Right. And, uh, you know, so uh, it's not, uh, I, I'm not surprised that he made missteps, yeah. you know, at all. It makes, per makes perfect sense. Judge. Yes. Well, folks could be here. Again, we say that. And uh, let me point out a couple things real quick. We jumped into this lesson, which is number five for us. And we didn't really set a background in case any of you have just joined us for the first time. Uh, the book is Samuel, and it's about Samuel, a very, very righteous prophet, a judge for Israel. He, he shows just a horrendous, great, righteous leadership to the people of Israel. And the first lesson which we dealt with was with his birth, which is relatively a miracle in itself. Then the second lesson we dealt with in this book has to do with him growing up a little bit and serving in the temple and the synagogue under the priest leadership Eli. and becoming what, what a temple boy, what we call a temple boy or a, a, an altar boy, I think the Catholic mm -hmm. referred to that. Mm -hmm. And Eli is leading him. And he hears God's call in the second lesson, and he answers it and responds to it and then tells Eli some information about uh, Eli's future. Then the third lesson, we have... Uh, Samuel being grown up and now he's serving the people of Israel and he leads them to repentance and turning their lives back to the Lord uh, as they want to seek God and they, he has put them in a place where they want to do that. And the fourth lesson, just prior to the one we're going to get into now, um, at the end of lesson three and, and becoming lesson four, uh, the Israelites have told the, the God that they want a king. Uh, they are no longer happy with Samuel leading him or God himself leading the people of Israel and being their king. They want to see a physical person as king. And as Kyle mentioned to him, whenever Saul does become king, he has had no background. He has had no school, no high school, no college degree. This is what you do to become a leader as a king. So he is picked to be king by God, and Samuel is the one who addresses him and appoints him as king for God. And then that brings us to today's lesson, uh, which you've already just start, started discussing it. So if you're following us and if you've read the book of Samuel, you will see it's just a tremendous book uh, of God and the things that occur under Samuel's leadership as their prophet and their judge. Excellent, excellent summary. And Wiz? Well, I think that to, to dovetail with everything that you guys have said is that... Um, he wasn't prepared beforehand. He didn't grow up into the leadership position. It was you know, thrust upon him. And he does show a lot of the, uh, some flaws in his leadership. But 
I think it's also the first time that we see that everything I think really has something happened that was outside of his control. You know, Jonathan took and attacked a, the garrison of a, a stronger force. There's no coming back from that. You, he either can take and give up Jonathan to the Philistines and say, you know, here's the person that led that charge, or here are all the people, or stand and defend the territory that he has. That's been, you know, he made that decision. But I think where he was rash is what we read further on with he, he decided to not wait and do what he was told to do. Instead, he decided to take it upon himself to try to push the ball forward a little bit further to get to the end state that he wanted before the time was right. So I think um, that really it took and uh, was almost a perfect storm of things happening. That he wasn't, he wasn't trained for what he was doing, but then he was put in a very difficult position based off of what happened for things that were outside of his control. Excellent. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read the scripture. So we'll bring in all the rest of, you, uh, rest of you out there that are listening or this time watching it. We're in 1 Samuel 13, number 1 through 14. Saul was 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel 42 years. Saul chose 3,000 men from Israel. 2,000 were with him at Michmash and in the hill country of Bethel. And a thousand were with Jonathan at Gilbeah in Benjamin. The rest of the men he sent back to their homes. Jonathan attacked the Philistines' outpost at Geba, and the Philistines heard about it. Then Saul had the trumpet blown throughout the land and said, Let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost, and now Israel has become a stench to the Philistines. And the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in the pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, with all the troops with him were quaking with fear. He waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, Bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offerings. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived, and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, When I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. You know, um, I, I think it was Steve that said earlier about men, we're all leaders and people look to us to lead. And my dad always said, so, do something 
right or wrong, do something. And I think that is the thing about men that is difficult to sit idle. Ask permission later. Ask for forgiveness later. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Ask permission later. Yeah. Ask, yeah. Yeah. Ask for forgiveness, not permission is the proper right. way to phrase that. Right, right. Exactly. And you may have hit the key to that because at the end where he he's rebuked by Samuel and the Lord, he does not ask forgiveness for what he did. Instead, he defers to his excuses for doing it. I was afraid the men are breaking up, the men are leaving, uh, and I'm, I'm going to be left alone to fight the Philistines and all their armies. And that, that may be a key where his character <coughs> starts in, yes. is that it's not as much that he made the decision to do what he did, it's more he actually forgot forgiveness. He just he started making excuses instead of yes. acting yes. excuses. Well, the, the tricky thing is, are they valid excuses? He's losing his men. They're 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 deserting. They're going across when they're beating by the groin, crossing the Jordan River to Gad. That they're going out of the kingdom. Uh, there, and so he's he's given the seven days. It's not like he waits right. three or four. He's given the seven days. Samuel doesn't show up. He is he is the field commander there. Mm-hmm. And to me, to, to to throw some things back to you, it's very much the Sunday school answer to say, oh. Well, you see, he acted too quickly. Oh, and right. That's yeah, absolutely, why absolutely. Penalty. I, and, 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 and so... <laughs> no, no, no. That, that's very true. Now, now my true. question is... I absolutely and, agree and, with and that. I'm, I'm interested in Mike's opinion about this. So, okay. And, and we can all kind of chime in, though. So, and, and I've kind of mentioned this before. Part of the whole get-up here is the Philistines did something that nobody else did. They invented iron. Or they mm-hmm. began to malleable iron. Right. And that became a huge, huge difference in weaponry. So it would be literally, in today's ter- terminology, you go fight a modern army with flintlocks. Would, would almost mm-hmm. be the equivalent. Uh, uh, right. So, and they have to yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's more people. Was, and they have, yeah, and and they they have many more. more. But I think, well, but my question is, does... It's almost a throwaway. Jonathan attacking Giba. Mm-hmm. Is that where the problem really starts? Did he start the battle really before he was ready? Well, the, yeah. Did did he did he start? He knew. If we go back through the scriptures, revert. We read some of the early chapters. We see that Saul was appointed to be king to lead the Israelites and deliver them from Philist- Philistia. Okay, and so he's stepping into the the position of king, and he hasn't been king what a year or so when this occurs, right. and so he knows his position, his leadership from God, is to attack Philistia and deliver the the Israelites from Philistia. So what he's doing is what he believes he's supposed to do. But what we see in the past, and we'll see in a few more chapters. Apparently, he's supposed to seek God's will. Is it my time? Is it the time right. for me to is start? It? And he's, he goes out there, just like many of us sometimes, we know we're supposed to go do something, and we get ahead of the cart. We get the, or the cart, cart ahead of the right. right. cart. Right. Right. We keep getting these things messed up tonight. Right. Well, it's the... It's the, no, it's no. the <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, Mike, and, and Timmy, you guys help me with history. I'm trying to remember. So before the D-Day invasion, they launched like a raid to, across the English Channel. And I want to say Gallipoli, but that was the First World War. But they went across, and they all got captured. And it was kind of like it wasn't ready. 
So is this kind of that equivalent, I guess? I, I that's kind of what I personally I think that Saul was warming up to the idea of becoming a king and being a typical king. And he had his son go ahead and attack a small outpost to give him a little successful experience. He's going for the big win. Well, well, but I think he's molding. I think he's molding. Literally, he's molding his kingdom, though, because he's acting like a king, like what he thinks a king should act like. And there's differences, and like we talked about this before, there's difference between a judge and a king. A judge critiques action, okay? Whereas a king sets out a plan and also sets the tone for the kingdom. So it's more motivating also to have a king. And that's what I think Saul is trying to do. He might have put the cart ahead of the horse. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Of course. That was right. Yeah, that, okay. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Did, well, did you want to say that? Uh, well, I did. Yeah. I think, and I, when we read this on Sunday, I, I, it came to me, and, it, and when we read it again, it came back. They talk about him choosing 3,000 men. But when they talk about the Philistine army, they talk about soldiers. So he, in my mind, he took 300, he took a whole group of people and said, I will take you, 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 yeah. you, 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 <laughs> Right, right, right. I know you're a farmer. I know you're a mason. I know you're an artisan. I know you're a baker. But now, you, now you're an army. Yeah, so right. He took, so in my mind, Ragtag man. You, but he didn't have a key component of leadership. You didn't have the lead. Mm-hmm. You didn't have people who were used to being led, Do which is, is really important. Or trained. Or trained. 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 Yeah, but, absolutely what, agree. What you, you said something just a few minutes ago, Very, I think it was very apropos. Samuel is doing what he thinks a king is supposed to be oh. doing. He, he oh. is, he Saul, is Saul, drawing... Saul. Saul, Saul, Saul. Saul. Yeah. Saul is doing... What a king! What, what he thinks he a thinks. king should be doing, based on his own experience, he he does right does <clears throat> he does put his distance with Samuel. Samuel gave him the scroll. We talked about it last week. With I think it was Deuteron- Deuteronomy seventeen, right? Deuteronomy which 17. which lays down God's idea for what a king is supposed to do, and right. it is some it is different from what the other kings around. Uh, the, the 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 Israelites do. Saul starts behaving like every other king, and right. these might be some of the consequences. And this might be why Samuel reproaches him. You're you're going about it the wrong way. Do you mind if I mention something right here? I do, yeah, I just remember. Roll with it. Saul uh, Saul becomes king. There is no palace because this is their first king in Israel. That's right. right. There's, there's no palace. There's no monarchy. Not, they're not even there's Jerusalem. Not, there's no right. monarchy. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, there's no establishment. So Saul is appointed king. The people accept him. They say, long live the king. And then he goes home. And he's still working on his father's farm or whatever he had. A huge, huge uh, farm. His father was wealthy. Yeah. And he has not done anything as king yet. And then there is a group of Ammonites that attack 
I believe, yes. let's see. Uh, Jabath Gilead, is that correct, guys? Uh, yes. It's chapter 11. Yeah. Uh, Nahash, a leader of the Ammonites, decides they want to attack the Israelites and put them to shame. And again, Saul is at home doing his, uh, his gardening, tilling, whatever he's doing for his dad. And the, the Nahash and the Ammonites come and attack Jabath Gilead and tell them, we're going to conquer you. And they say, we want to, we will serve you. Don't conquer us, don't hurt our families, don't do anything. And what, what do you want us to do? We will serve you, we will pay you tribute. And Nahash the Ammonite and all the Ammonites that are with him tell the, the, tell the Israelites that we will conquer you and we want to put out your right eye if you do what we want you to do, okay? And this word gets back to Saul. And the anointing of the Lord is on him, and he goes bananas. The anointing of the Lord comes all over Saul, and he assembles the whole Israelite army together, and they go back and, and they slaughter the Ammonites. I mean, just slaughter them from morning to noon. And then we come to the period of time at which we see he decides he wants to, to go after the Philistines in chapter 13. And by the way, that was chapter 11. Yeah, that was back Samuel in 11 12. and 12. Mm -hmm. So yeah. right. he already has this great victory under his belt, which may add to the reason we see him deciding he's going to go and, and, and pick on the Philistines. Actually, actually, though, actually not, though. I mean, the Ammonites, I mean, that's preseason. Uh, okay. No, that's fair. Uh, that, yeah, you see yeah. what I'm saying? I mean, that's a tune-up game. Yeah, okay? exactly. Okay. Yeah. But he gets drunk with his success about that, though, and he sends and he wants his son to be good. So he has Jonathan go out and take on the smallest player of the biggest team. Mm -hmm. Yes. So he has them attack, and so. He can feel like, yeah, I'm taking on the big guys. He swats the fly. He swats the fly. That's right. He more like so, pokes the bear. Really. Yeah, that's right. Right. it's like that is not swatting the fly. That is poking the bear. <laughs> right. You know, but that's true. You know, the big misstep for him. You know, when he does the burnt offering and everything. You know, to me, that's part of our biggest problem is learning. Our time versus God's time. You know, it was his... So even God laid it out for him, though. Samuel laid it out. I'll be back in seven days. Wait for me then. Seven days came and passed, and then he took it upon himself. You know, and I think the hard part, uh, especially for us guys, that, you know, it is our natural instinct to say, okay, I've waited. It's two minutes past. It's time to go. And so he did, you know. And for us, it's, I think the hardest part is learning that even when we expect something to have transpired, you know, God told me in a dream or through Samuel, whatever, that it's supposed to happen here. And that time comes and goes. It's very, very difficult for us to be able to discern what do I do now? Our natural instinct is to jump into action and get going. You know? Well, we want to help God out. Oh, uh, right. Oh, 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 there you Mike go. Oh, yeah. Mike 
went there. Yeah. And 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 you're right, Mike. I think that is one of the biggest things we have as a problem as men is we don't want to wait for God because especially Western men. And I'll go as far as to say American West Texas men because we've been raised in that world that says get out and get her done. And then we end up not waiting for God when it's time to wait for God. And that really cost us in the end. To, to get theological on you, how do you okay. know? How do you how know? Do you know? Because we have examples well, of, of men in the Bible who were men of action. Right. Who, 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 and then we have a case like this. Now, clearly, when, when uh, Saul attacks the Ammonites, the spirit <coughs> is with him. It's clear. Yes. Uh, it, this obviously there's no spirit with him he just goes ahead on his own but I don't think he saw himself as doing something wrong I, see and I and, think it's one of those I really do think it's one of those it's a constant walk it, it's your, your answer Bill about faith being a muscle that we have to exercise daily right. mm-hmm. because as we exercise that muscle daily then it gives us the capability to really know what the spirit is wanting us to do. And I think and I do think that having that spirit of discernment, the theological term for it, is one of the hardest things that we have as Christians. Because determining, you know, does God want me to take a new job? Does God want me to do this? Is it the right time in my life to do that? Well that's one of the hardest things we do. And that's really in reality, that that's probably the crux of this message. Well, here, here's, the, here's the problem, uh, as I see. As men, we feel we have been ordained by God because we're men. We work on our faith. We feel that we know what God has in store for our life. And when he gives us a task, he typically is not going to say, here's your task, but hold on. Okay? So... I have an issue with this by them calling this a rash decision that he made. No, he was just supposed to wait, and he waited. And so as men, we're ready to go. But And I know people that will sit down and pray before they order. Should I have curly fries or regular fries? No, I think God gave me the opportunity and the <laughs> intellect to choose. To choose. I don't need it. It's always curly. Or, well, you know, whatever. So I don't think that was necessarily a rash decision. That was right in Saul's wheelhouse. He had waited. I can tell you this. Absolutely. If I was in that position, I would have done the same thing no question about it because that's the thing about being human we have this sense of urgency time for us matters and it's different than god's time we're coming up on our break time and so we're going to be right back talking about first samuel 13 1 through 14 this is Man up! You 
are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment, or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters, or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. Hey, and welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast, podcast number 60, and this is our special Father's Day Man Up Podcast. We're in uh, 1 Samuel. We're in the character in the crown. This is lesson number five. We're talking about a rash decision and a stinging rebuke. Uh, 1 Samuel 13, 1 through 14. I want to go ahead and just uh, get a speed round uh, summary from each of the fellows here about it. And I just want to throw it out real quick. Um, <clears throat> yes, maybe Saul was a little bit um, jumpy, you know, I, I guess. But he was not an experienced king. This was his first time around the track. Uh, and I absolutely understand why he was taking this upon himself didn't have a true example of a king to follow, he probably never even thought of himself growing up and becoming a king. That wasn't in his realm of thought. He was probably thought he was going to be like his dad, Kish. He's going to be, you know, a prosperous goat herder or something. You know, this is totally out of his element. And therefore, he's following the examples that he saw. He got his instructions from Samuel, and he followed them. He waited as long as he felt that he could. He's the king. And it goes back to what my dad used to say to me if I was being lazy. Please do something, right or wrong. Do something. And I think, that's part of what Saul was thinking as well. Professor. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with... I started with the concepts of lift. Where leaders show true ability is the ability to lift their lid and move beyond it. I think what happens with Saul is he starts hitting walls and he can't recover from the walls. Like you said, Steve, part of it is maybe he was set up to fail, but once he hits a lid... Then he starts making excuses of why I failed instead of acknowledging where he failed. Okay, I get that. And so, and growing from it. Yes. Okay. Kyle. You know, I just keep going back to that discernment part, you know, trying to learn what God's timing is. You know, because all too often when we think it should happen, we want to just jump into action and do something. And more often than not, when we do that, we find ourselves in trouble. Hmm. 
hence where he found himself. <clears throat> uh, I think both of you guys mentioned it as well is that uh, I think it comes down to that forgiveness thing as well. I mean, we saw it with Eli, you know, that he wasn't really remorseful that he didn't correct his sons. Right. You've been smited for all eternity, you and your whole family. Right. Now you've got Saul, king of everything, and did something, and when Samuel came in and rebuked him, he didn't say, oh my gosh, you're right, how could I have done that? Right. He started making those excuses right. and talked himself out of it or tried to talk himself out of it and found right. himself further in to a hole anyway. Wiz. Yeah, I think it's, um, uh, I think that, yeah, that it's, a, he, he, that he, he was in a spot where he was told to wait, but he waited. I waited as long as you told me to wait. I needed to do something. Mm -hmm. You said seven days. We are beyond seven days. I took and did what I thought was what needed to be done. Um, so I, I, I can understand why he would do those things, but on the same token, when you, you may have to look at it in the optics of, well, who told you? It wasn't, it wasn't the, the guy next to you that said, wait seven days and we'll see. It wasn't HR going, wait seven days, and then come and talk to me again. It was the highest power telling you, wait. So, but at the same token, what happens if on the eighth day, they decide to attack? You had your seven, now it's eight, you should have made the decision sooner. So I, I think he was in a very, very, very difficult position with really no good choice to make. And, and, and in, in places like that, you make one decision and you stick with it. When you find out that maybe it was the wrong one, then you need to be humble and say, well, I made the decision that I thought was best. And this is and, why. Right. But the important yeah. thing is, I made the decision. When you look at what he says, you were not here. Not, I waited for you and you didn't come. He puts everything on the other person instead of taking the responsibility of, these were my actions. If anybody here is to blame, it is me. I think that's what makes this such a great man lesson and perfect for Father's Day. Because here we're splitting hairs yes. on this. <laughs> we're, we're, I mean, I'm you, and, yeah. and how many times is that? I mean, is that a man's dilemma? They're splitting hairs, you know on whether to do something or not do something. But I think what it really comes down to is conviction. Make the decision. Be convinced that that is the right decision. And then go with it. Don't weasel on the back end. And that's what he was doing. He was weaseling on the back end. Whereas he had legitimate reasons, I feel, for the decision that he made. So... Judge. Well, we have talked about this, and, and, and Saul, uh, who is anointed of God, is trying to do his best to do the Lord's will, and he honestly believed he was doing God's will. We really believe that. You know, I've expressed that over and over again. And then he makes excuses for, for jumping the gun and doing something he's not supposed to do instead of saying, I'm sorry, God, I screwed up. Well, where have we heard of that before? Adam and Eve. 
Uh, yeah. The yeah. serpent comes up to Eve. The there you go. She bites the apple, gives it to Adam. He bites the apple. God comes looking for him, and they're hiding. All right. And what does he say? He says, Adam, where are you? He says, he says, I'm here. He says, what are you doing? He says, I'm hiding because I was naked. God says, who told you you were naked? He says, well, he said, did you eat of the fruit of the tree? And he says, well, that woman you gave me. Gave right. He starts weaseling immediately. What tree? He doesn't say, I'm sorry, you're right. 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 He says, that woman gave it to me. The one you gave to me, God. Right. Your fault. So, so we've heard this. Your woman, this your tree, That's your right. apple. That's right. right. And of course, uh, then God asked the woman what she did. And she said, the servant did it. No one says, I'm sorry, I disobeyed you. Which is what we're saying here with Saul. Maybe you've never seen that in the courtroom, though. You've no. never, you've never seen that in the courtroom. <laughs> well, I bring up an Adam and Eve all the time. <laughs> I know. Steve. Well, Saul, in Sunday school, is portrayed as a villain, and I would in many ways he's set up. He's set I, up yes, because he's yes. set up to be yes. the the predecessor to David, who is of course, <laughs> the big hero, but. What I'm learning through reading this is Saul is mar- much more of a tragic figure, uh, because I, I what, it, what it comes down to, and I, and I like you know I don't try to massage too much into scripture. God chose Saul, so the potential was there. I, I don't you know as much as I you know say to be provocative, God doesn't set up people to fail. Saul, if God chose Saul as king, the potential was there. And gradually, and we'll see more and more as we go into this, and, and your lids are going to be great, <laughs> Saul moves away from God. We, we, we talked about it at this, the right. beginning. Um, he does not seek God's counsel. He does not ask God, what do you want from a king? He uses his own very limited experience. Right. And well, right. gradually, right. as it moves along, he moves further and further away from the Lord and there are greater and greater consequences to that. Uh, so that's... I, I'll end by saying that, that Saul is, uh, I'm coming to see, as a tragic figure, a figure as we as men shouldn't be too quick to judge. We as Sunday school teachers shouldn't be quick to point at. Point because out Because there, <laughs> there, for the grace of God, goeth I. Right. Well, and... As we come to the end of this particular Sunday School lesson, this is Father's Day, and we're going to go around the room and get some words of wisdom that some of these guys, they as either as a father that you've given to your children or that you've gotten from your own father, we want to make sure that we um, leave with that. But I just want to throw in my own summary to this lesson and this. Just like you men out there, You don't know what part of the story you are. What spoke of the wheel? Saul, for all of his failures and stuff, was a very important spoke in the wheel in the development of the Israelites and is them as a nation. However flawed, he certainly, he was the first and so he was the initial spoke in the wheel that got them going. And think about your own life, okay? Somebody did something that helped you become you.
Conversely, being a man and a leader, there's something that you're doing for someone else that you might not even realize that you're doing now, but that may be very instrumental and important into that person and their desires and their ultimate accomplishments. And I think that is one of the big parts of this lesson that we need to consider as we go on. And so with that, that is actually the podcast 60, but we want to continue on since this is Father's Day. Go around the room, talk to the fellas, and get a little insight, maybe a little wisdom that you got or from your father or maybe even gave to your children. And so... Uh, I guess Wiz, you're probably the youngest one here, and so in with the young Where's children. Andrew? So Andrew needs to. Be oh yeah, yeah. Our <laughs> millennial didn't get, <laughs> but he wouldn't say anything good about his dad, though. <laughs> no, <laughs> so. I, yeah, my dad. Yeah, my dad taught me so, so many things that I didn't. I don't think I appreciated until I got older. Um, you know, not just how to fix cars, how to use my hands to do things, how to build things, but, you know, how to be responsible, how to help people that, you know, we, we don't see as much today. Um, I can remember driving with my dad in the car when I was home on leave, and we went to a, gas, or we went to a fast food restaurant, and uh, somebody's car was overheating. So he grabbed the gallon of coolant that he had, he went inside and got a bucket of water from the, the fast food restaurant, Poured it, poured the coolant in, filled it up with water, and we followed them almost all the way home until they were where he thought that they could turn off to go home and make it. Now, I can't think of very many people today that, or I can't think that that would happen very many times today. Yeah. Here, I mean, my parents live in kind of a rural place, so more maybe than normal. But, um, but just yeah, how to be helpful. So, excellent, excellent, Michael Cropper. Judge. Well, uh, my dad was a good man, ethical. I cannot say that he was a, a Christian, but he did have ethics. He had morals. He provided for our family. He loved us, uh, and he was good in that leadership. And I will say this, uh, I'm thankful my heavy father, if I can say that, because I did not want children when I got married. And my really? my wife talked me into it, and I'm so glad she did. It was the greatest experience that I that I could ever have, and uh, so I'm glad that the Heavenly Father put me in a situation where I did have children, and so I am glad to be a father. That is nice, awesome, Mr. Steve Titch. I'd say my son is my greatest gift, uh, the thing I'm most thankful for. Uh, he's a good guy too. He's a good guy, but I'll just say a note to the other dads out there, dads to be. It goes by so fast. Um, don't don't put things off. Don't put fatherhood. Uh, it's still the day, the the evening my son was born. I still remember it very clearly. Uh, it was a great night, um, but it was already 15 years ago. And all those those toddler days, they're 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 nice to remember. But if you don't don't <laughs> skip those. Be home. Be there. Not just for you. Not just for your son or daughter. Uh, but for yourself, because you don't get that back. 
Uh, you can make money, you can lose money, you can get your money back, you can live in different houses. Uh, time only goes in one direction. And uh, you, 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 you want to look back and, and because those will be the memories that will be most important to you. Said by a real gambler, money comes that. and money goes. That is awesome. Uh, Deacon Kyle. You know, uh, I, I, what Mike said here, you know, I, I learned a lot from Dad. Um, he was a businessman. Um, he taught me how to be an entrepreneur. He taught me how to have business ADD and you want to have your hands in 90 different things. Um, but that's also what helped make me the man that I am is because of him encouraging you or me to be as outgoing as I could be. You know, and I don't know, it's just made me the better man. And, you know, I, my dad was that same type of guy that. You know, we, we've done similar things of following people. Now, Dad was not a mechanic. He didn't know how to fix his car, right. but he knew how to follow you to make sure that you got to the mechanic or you got home right. and stuff like that. And I'm still that guy today because of him teaching me that, you know. Um, and then I, for my adulthood, you know, I learned a lot from Dad because he burned the tar out of everything he ever tried to put on a grill. So it made me want to learn how to cook, you know, to kind of get away from some things. Reverse barometer. Uh, right. Yeah, but, you yeah. know, some of it's also learning from your own right. parents' mistakes or, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, I don't know. You know, Dad's just a really good guy. I still continue to learn from him. I do have him uh, in my life. We talk often. Um, you know, currently he's teaching me how to play the stock market. So it's it's always been about business. But... It's been a very interesting dynamic with me and him. We have a wonderful relationship, and I, I cherish my time with him. Excellent. Professor Koshu. Yeah, and, and I'm going to kind of wrap all of y'all's dads into one. Um, on a way, I remember my dad and I creating memories, but one of the things I remember the most about my dad was service. I remember their church had an annual barbecue, and my dad would literally leave at 7 o'clock Friday morning go out to their church, and he literally would cook until Sunday. He would get home Sunday at 5 p.m. Wow. And he hadn't showered, hadn't done anything. He had smoked 150 briskets and 300 chickens and all of that and served it. And he taught me to live a legacy of service. You always talk about live life legacy. Right. The other thing, I'm going to piggyback on what Steve said. <clears throat> Pardon me. My kids are older. I've got a 27-year-old in about two weeks, and a 22-year-old. And the time goes so fast that people don't remember that you just can't imagine how fast it goes. Go create the memories. You know, I made sure when my kids were little, we backpacked every year at Enchanted Rock. Ask my kids about a camping trip. They'll tell you about a, a time we were all three sitting in a two-man tent with 50-mile-an-hour wind and pea-sized hail hitting the tent. Could they remember that? Or a 10-day road trip up through the Northeast where we did five baseball stadiums and the Hall of Fame and Wrigley Field and, you know, all of that. They built the memories, you know. And, you know, to the fact this year, when we were last year at the U of H Tex Tech game, you know, my older son knows my younger son and I take selfies at the end of the game. Tech won. Mm. Older son stood up, 
Let's go take the selfie because he knew it was coming. <laughs> you know? And of course, we ended up taking it, and he's sitting in there, you know, all guns up and happy. My younger son and I are sitting there like this. But it's create the memories with your kids because the time does go so fast. Yes, Just does. make sure you take the time with your kids. It's been an honor to be with all of you through the podcast 1 through 59, and most especially this Father's Day on 60th. My name is Bill Cox. I'm the director of Man Up here at Sugarland Baptist Church. I just want to make sure that you know that if you're ever in the Houston area, please stop by. Come to our Man Up Adult Bible Fellowship. And we invite you to get involved in your own Bible-based church. I want to share one, uh, actually two, uh, things about my dad who... Uh, just, I didn't lose him. He passed, but I still talk to him as much now um, as I did then. We were farmers, and uh, my my dad. We could we worked so hard on the farm. We didn't really get to do a lot of stuff because we had animals. It's not like we could go on vacations or, or that kind of thing. But I learned so much from working with him and enjoyed it and he would make even the worst job seem fun and he always used to say don't sweat the small stuff and in the end it's all small stuff Mm -hmm. which always really Mm -hmm. stuck with me and I remember when my wife got pregnant and I called him to say that I was going to be a parent and uh, my dad goes, so you're going to be a dad. I can't think of anybody more deserving. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my dad. He yeah. just made life fun. And we hope that you, as a dad out there this Father's Day, you take a moment to honor your dad. So on behalf of Man Up, my name's Bill Cox. Please get involved in Adult Bible Fellowship. Find yourself a men's only class. And if there isn't one, start one. You can find us on Facebook at Man-Up. We're also on iTunes and on SoundCloud where we archive all the Man Up podcasts. Thanks so much. You've been listening to Man Up. You want Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.